I hear puppies. Puppies. Jeff's not home, so puppies will bark. Yeah. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Fine. How are you? Doing okay. Sorry. Excuse me for one sec. I'm trying to blank it up here, which I can't do till like the last minute. <laughs> well, I guess I could, but it would be unpleasant. Okay. That's the best I'm going to do for today. So, how are you? I was going to add something to my phone, to my to-do list, and then I lost my phone. But then I found my phone, so everything is fine. Huzzah! Huzzah. Best story, too. Right? I know. It was very exciting. I'm sure that it was, like, the highlight of your whole day. It really was. That's sad. (laughs) My day has been uneventful. I don't have a whole lot to report today. Yeah, me either. Oh, I know. Oh, so I had told you I was going to go play Baron Breakfast. Yes, fantastic game. Yes, agreed. Although I think right now I feel kind of overextended. Like, it's a little stressful to play. Yeah. Because I'm doing too much. I'm starting (laughs) to get to that point, and so I understand what you're talking about. So I was like, I need to put this down for today. Yeah. But that was yesterday. That was so long ago. I know. It doesn't even matter anymore. Feels warm and humid in here. Because it's raining a lot. It is raining a lot. Not exciting, everyone. (laughs) Let's talk about the weather. (laughs) It is raining too much. It sure is. Coconut and I have not been able to get out for a run, and I don't like it. Boo. Well, actually, I'm not complaining that much, but I feel a little bad. Yeah. Don't feel bad. So, where the hell did my notes go? I didn't really take many note notes. There wasn't a whole lot to talk about. It was just all dialogue all the way down, which I thought made for a very boring episode. (laughs) Spoiler alert. So, without any interesting segue, because we're both extra boring today, like this episode, what are we talking about? (laughs) We're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 5, Episode 5, Red Sky. And a red sky it was... Indeed. I it was one of the reasons I didn't like it, actually. <laughs> the red filter, all red filter all the time was a bit much, in my opinion. I was reading on one website that they actually built out this village in a soundstage so they could completely control the lighting and oh, really? that red color. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I just assumed they put a filter on the camera and that was it. So yeah, I assumed that there was one point where Jack gets up and is shouting like he does mm-hmm. in this episode. And I yeah. was like, he sounds like he's inside. And that would be I the didn't reason even, why. Yeah, I totally missed that part. <laughs> it was like, it was just one moment. I was like, what? Gotcha. And then, Weird. But anyway. Interesting. Yeah. The team is projected violently out of the wormhole they're going through. Onto a planet. Very violently. It was yeah. an interesting first person point of view for the camera, not just through the wormhole, but yeah. the landing also, which we don't typically get. No, that seems weird. Right? How fast did they throw themselves yeah. through? What the hell's happening? Yeah. <laughs> but the problem apparently was related to something having to do with their calculations for being able to dial this gate. Yes. They had to override a bunch of fail safes yeah would seem like a bad idea you would think that that would have told them hey maybe don't do that i would have thought that but then at the same time if you're a problem solver trying to fix things you want to try to fix something so you can do the things i can see that too i guess i guess very much an ian malcolm (laughs) uh didn't stop to think if they should yeah moment right (laughs) so preoccupied with whether or not they could yes exactly didn't stop to think if they should (laughs) it's like the whole premise of the show (laughs) right yeah it really is (laughs) but anyway they land on this planet it's extremely bright because it's very close to the sun there are a bunch of baskets full of apples and various other fruits and vegetables just hanging out at the gate so I was wondering if this is some sort of religious offering. That was my yeah. guess. It seemed to be that to me. 
Daniel finds some kind of writing on a stone or something that was there. And he said it was similar to that which they found on Samaria. So maybe this is an Asgard related thing. And then Sam is like, do you think this is a protected planet? And Jack's like, well, Tilk wasn't zapped away. And Daniel's like, well, they wouldn't need one if it was named in the treaty. But then I assumed that Samaria was similarly protected and it totally had a Thor's hammer. Right. That was weird. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that was just a Thor thing. Maybe each Asgard got to decide how to protect or not protect their own planets in this thing. Right. I have some thoughts on oh, that okay. later, but I will save that for later. <laughs> and Well, and I mean, like, it's nothing all that detailed, but... Okay. I thought, well, I'll tell you now. I thought it was weird that they keep talking about, um, I don't remember the guy's name. Prayer. Prayer. Or whoever he is. But the fact that Jack kept asking for Thor as though he was, like, the big guy in charge, when that's not the impression that I got. Why would he be any better to talk to than Freyr when this is Freyr's plan? I think, I mean, I think that Jack thought that... Just because of the report. Yes, exactly. I mean, who do we think really decided to name the new ship O'Neill? Who threw that one forward and pushed for it, do we think? Fair. Fair. True. Thor loves Jack. (laughs) Some villagers come. Did you notice the hats on these villagers? Not specifically, no. They were just the most giant hats, in my (laughs) opinion. They just looked oddly huge and out of place. Okay. I think some of the women looked like they were wearing enormous bonnets, and I was like, what? They were. But it also looked to me like the, the leader guy, Elred, his hat just looked like a it looked like what somebody who has never seen a cowboy hat might think a cowboy hat looks like if they were just described <laughs> okay. what a cowboy hat looks like. <laughs> just too too big. Just too big. So these people in their enormous headwear <laughs> come out to... They were kind of skulking a little because obviously they're like, holy they shit, were. the Stargate opened. What the hell? But that's not what any of them say. Anyway, (laughs) the leader guy, Elrad, introduces himself, mentions that the planet they're on is called Katow, and that they were on their way for morning prayer when they saw a great wave burst forth from the annulus. Jack enjoys that other word for ring, I guess. (laughs) Which I was also wondering why they chose to use annulus. I looked it up and annulus is a Latin word. Why are these people Hmm. using Latin? I don't know. I don't know. If they're supposed to be based on Norse mythology, you wouldn't think they'd be using Latin. No, you'd think they'd either just call it a ring like everyone else or... Yeah, right. whatever. Anyway, this is not important. The Great Stone Circle. Yeah, I'm I'm making this even more boring than the episode actually is. <laughs> I'm not sure that's possible. <laughs> Elrad does recognize Tilk as an enemy, but Jack's like, no, Thor loves him. It's cool. And Elrod's real excited. You know Thor? Jack's like, yeah, he's our friend. They are then welcomed into this group. They have the team accompany them back to the village. Apparently, according to Daniel, Freyr is the god of sun and rain. I didn't look any of this up, but I assume that's That's right. How do they decide which of the aliens is going to be the god for a planet? I don't know. Because they're talking about how Freyr is their main god, and they're talking about how Freyr is an ally of Thor. So they know who Thor is, but why don't they worship Thor the same way that they apparently worship Freyr? I don't know. That's basically it. They walk back to the village. I did think it was interesting that these people did not even give a second glance to the Malp. They just walked by it like, (laughs) I didn't even notice. (laughs) What's that? We don't know. It doesn't matter. It didn't come through with the people. You would think they clearly do not have any level of technology like a mal, but you would think that they would be interested in what the hell is this But they're not. They're only interested in friends of Thor and Freyr. They make their way to the village. There's some blacksmith hammering. Does that bother you as much as the tink tinking of mining or the clack clacking of keyboards? No, it also wasn't that long. So, yeah. This seems to be some sort of, I don't know, how old would you say this seems to be? Like 1700s, maybe 1600s type of society equivalent? Their clothing sort of felt very uh, pilgrimy to me. It did. Yeah, which I guess would have Mm. actually made it even older than that. But yeah, they did have a pilgrim feel to it. They are welcomed by most people in the village. There's a guy named Brother Malchus, though, who is 
not very happy to see them and says that they need to leave at once. Elrod tries to argue that these aren't just any strangers. They come through the annulus and they are elves. So that's fun. They don't have pointy ears, though, and I bet they can't walk on top of snow. So they're not that good of an elf if they actually were elves. They're not even Buddy the Elf. Come on. Exactly. (laughs) Right? They can't talk to narwhals. Bye, buddy. I suppose we should mention that up to this point, everything already kind of had a weird lighting to it that was a little bit reddish. And now all of a sudden, the sky gets even more red. Everybody is concerned and murmuring, what's going on? Why is it more red? They say that the eye of Odin is growing dim, which I guess is their term for the sun. Their sun. Of course, Malchus points at SG-1 and blames them for making this happen. Everyone's upset and scared. Jack's like, nah, we couldn't have done this. But then he looks to Sam, who's like, um, maybe, though, maybe we did. Malchus comes to the conclusion that the elves are the harbingers of doom. <laughs> maybe they are. Perhaps. Yeah. And, then and then credits. credits. After credits, Malchus is still like, get the fuck off my planet. <laughs> But Elrod's like, no, no, it's not their fault. And we've got to go to the Hall of Wisdom and beg prayer for forgiveness. Whenever I hear the name Elrod, it just makes me think of Elrond, but that's a very different It religion. sure is. <laughs> that would make for a very different episode. Yes. <laughs> Daniel thinks that perhaps the Hall of Wisdom is where they can communicate with the Asgard like they did on Samaria when they were communicating with Thor when he was still a hologram human. Meanwhile, Jack asks Sam what is going on. Sam says, somehow, the light spectrum shifted towards infrared and eventually this will kill all the green plants and then all the oxygen will be gone and everyone dies science disagrees Uh uh-oh i don't have too long of a tangent here other than that a light spectrum shift like this or a red shift like this actually refers to motion rather than not really even a temperature shift that they're talking about but a red shift like this would be caused typically by like the essentially like the doppler effect but for light Okay, yeah, yeah. Is what a, what a redshift refers to. So it doesn't really make sense in this context when they're talking about a redshift so much. It is possible for the sun to change color, but I'll actually get to that in my next okay. science tangent. Infrared is not visible light, so you wouldn't really have the visible light being emitted by the sun shifting towards the infrared. That doesn't make any sense because it's still like giving off light. That is not necessarily infrared Green plants actually don't use green light. That's why they appear green, because they're reflecting all the green light that is being shown down on them from the sun. So green plants are actually using every color of light besides green, and they're reflecting back the green because they cannot use green. So if you put red lights on a plant, they'd be totally fine because they can use all of those wavelengths of red light that are coming in for energy. What Sam then should have said is, I'm not a botanist or whatever. I'm no botanist, sir. <laughs> yes, exactly. That is exactly what she should have said. Also, though, infrared cannot be used for photosynthesis. I actually did have to look oh, that okay. one up. I didn't know if it could be. And it, I think that there seems to be some kind of cyanobacteria that might be able to use infrared for photosynthesis. Okay. But generally, plants cannot use infrared. They're using this red light as a stand-in for infrared then. In this yeah. case. Yeah, but the fact that they can see anything means that there's still light yeah. in the visible spectrum that is not the infrared. So that's where my issue gotcha. came with that. Because saying that it's shifting towards the infrared, well, that just means it shifted towards the red because you can still see. Okay, yeah. If it had totally shifted towards the infrared, that would mean that there's no visible light left because infrared to humans, <laughs> anyway, is not visible. And then also infrared is really just yeah. heat. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Sam is going to check out the MALP because it has better sensors than she's got on whatever handheld device she's using. Teal goes with her and Jack and Daniel are going to go try to talk to the Asgard, hopefully, by following these people to their temple. At that temple, they are praying to Freyr to have mercy upon them. Jack and Daniel get there. Jack says, oh, sorry to interrupt. And Malchus says, haven't you done enough damage here, elf? (laughs) Of course, Elrod and Malchus continue to bicker. And everyone knows at this point, I'm sure, how much I love bickering. So that's good times. Daniel wants to speak directly to Freyr. Elrod, of course, 
argues that, well, in praying, they can he can always hear them. But Daniel wants to know more specifically where the Hall of Wisdom is. Is this the church thing that they are currently in? The Hall of Wisdom? And Elrod's like, no, this is a temple. They're going to, after their prayer session, find that hall. And Daniel and Jack are going to go with them to put in a good word for them. <laughs> they get there by pushing a stone on the obelisk, right? Yeah. In the yeah. temple. Did you say that? I'm sorry. Oh, My... I did no. not say that because I totally <laughs> forgot that happened. <laughs> Shows how much attention I was Excellent. paying. <laughs> they make everyone close their eyes. I thought that was really funny. It they, was. Like, everyone close your eyes so you can't see me push the big red button on the front of this thing. It again reminded me of that story that I told you about when my niece was doing that magic show for me. <laughs> and she was like, close your eyes. <laughs> and then whispering to her brother, go get me a towel. As she was like making coins disappear out of that water. So that's, that's the level we're at on this. Yeah. In this hall of wisdom, it's basically a cave somewhere, which we've kind of seen a similar thing on Samaria. Jack notices his weapons are gone which he's not happy about he's like i'd better get those back yep and then we get hologram viking man he introduces himself as Freyr and asks why they're there malicus tells him these outsiders have caused the eye of odin to grow dim <laughs> and they fear it's ragnarok daniel translates to jack end of time and jack's like <laughs> thank you also an awesome uh, movie yeah yeah they're there to ask Frere to fix their son. Frere is like, well, only through faith will you prove worthy of me saving all of your asses. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Malicus is like, do you want us to kill these guys? Referring to Jack and Daniel. He seems very eager to yeah. go ahead and do that. <laughs> Frere just ignores that one and talks about some battle or something. Frere also tells them to Frere doesn't tell him that. <laughs> I don't remember him saying that. Wow. Okay. I only just watched this yesterday. <laughs> I don't remember him barking yeah. like a dog. Well, Frere just kind of gives them this bullshit line about facing their own fears as you enter the ultimate conflict and how you deal with it will prove if you're worthy, blah, blah, blah. And the hologram goes away. Daniel's like, it's a recording. And Jack's like, oh. It's only a model. Yeah? Really? <laughs> that was it. It's only a model. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, they're back in their prayer temple again. And who doesn't love a good I told you so? So Malchus tells Elrod, I told you so. <laughs> it is, in fact, Ragnarok, and they all need to go prepare to die. So that's going to be a fun afternoon. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Jack's like, I said that, yeah, I'm not sure that that was quite the takeaway. But Malchus is like, nope. We're better at interpreting his words than you are, and Elrod agrees with that. I thought that was weird, though, because since these are supposed to be, you know, SG-1 are supposed to be the elven friends of the gods, wouldn't you think that maybe Elrod and Malchus would trust Jack's interpretation? I mean, maybe, except for the fact that they only said they're friends with Thor. They have no proof of that. I guess this is Why true. should you trust random strangers who beam to your planet through a wormhole? <laughs> I don't know. Ask all of the people on the internet that believe all the crappy videos about like flat earth and 5G causing COVID and all of that crap. <laughs> Ask them why they believe random things that people tell them. And then maybe I'll have an answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jack basically tries to argue that, you know what, maybe don't be so dependent on the gods. You're the one that does all the hard work of like planting crops and harvesting and building your homes and so, you know, how about a bit of free will and just don't worry about this Ragnarok thing that you think is happening. <laughs> just continue to go about your lives and don't worry about it was basically the takeaway that he seemed to yeah, be trying to argue for, which is a little bit weird because he's already got a little bit of evidence to the contrary that it's not going to end well for them. Maybe he just didn't want to be expelled from the planet and or executed. <laughs> <laughs> trying to hold that off yeah i guess so i found it interesting too that daniel 
basically didn't want to get involved at all. And I thought yeah. that was kind of weird. That is kind of weird because they are the ones that caused this issue. And normally he's the first one to be like, we need to fix this thing. Yeah. For things that they didn't cause. Yeah. And so here where they actually caused it, he's like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, they hadn't conclusively decided that. But still, yeah, it was a weird move. Maybe Daniel was just getting a vibe like they're going to kill us if you don't stop. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> Long story short, Malchus says that elves cannot change the will of the gods. I thought that was weird because, again, like I said, it seemed to me like Jack was trying to kind of interpret what Frere said rather than changing yeah. what Frere actually said. In any case, they're going to trust in Frere and they're going to do his bidding, whatever that happens to be. They're going to go say some prayers and that's totally going to work to fix everything. And uh, they all leave <laughs> the church to go do their stuff. Jack's like, I'm sure Sam can fix it somehow. <laughs> okay. Jack and Daniel meet back up with Sam and Teal'c. Sam has, of course, come up with something. She says she's got a theory and Jack's like... Is Hypothesis. It, is it miraculous? Thank you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Sam says it is, in fact, miraculous. And that the wormhole that they used to get there went directly through the planet Sun... Which, that's weird. <laughs> Seems bad. Yeah. And maybe that's why they were having trouble dialing to begin with. She's basically reiterating the fact that they did some finagling with the dialing program to get here. And that the light from the sun shifted after they got there. And the only way that could happen is if there was an unstable, super heavy element, probably plutonium. A little plutonium. <laughs> Introduced to the sun's nuclear reaction somehow <laughs> by catching their wormhole wave and traveling into the sun they passed through. It seems real weird and I don't know anything about anything, but that doesn't seem like anything that could happen. It's <laughs> not. And I had to call my friend Joe or rather text him until he called me <laughs> <laughs> to discuss this because I'm like, I know this is BS, but I just can't quite put my finger on why come on come on and meet the elements may i introduce you to our friends i already mentioned the fact that they were talking about like a red shift earlier and that's not a thing that applies here of course suns can change color but when a sun changes color it has more to do with temperature so what they're talking about here though wouldn't necessarily cause a shift to the red Joe is not an astrophysicist, so he's not even completely sure that what he was saying is completely true. But his understanding was that if you did take a whole bunch of heavy element like plutonium and threw it into a nuclear fission reaction like the sun, because plutonium is a fusionable material, not a fissionable material, what it would end up doing is like increasing the density of the sun. That would cause the temperature of the sun to actually increase and increasing temperature of the sun would actually cause a shift towards blue rather than towards okay. red because blue is hotter yeah. than red from a heat releasing perspective when it comes to reactions so then we got to talking about okay well how much plutonium would it take to actually have that big of an effect on the sun that it would actually change the temperature of the reaction happening and change the color he asked me what is the smallest thing that they are able to detect? I'm like, um, I don't know. They can detect viruses and watch them move around, which is a thing that we can't do. So I guess they've got some magic imaging technology beyond our capability. <laughs> so Joe's like, great, let's talk about another small thing. Something like maybe a planet. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, from an astrological standpoint, planets are very small. Yeah. Then he's like, all right, well, maybe a moon instead. So this is another planet? It's a moon, actually. So long story short, even a moon worth of plutonium, according to him, would have no impact on the sun because of how small it is in comparison <laughs> to the size of the sun. It is very unlikely that they could have accidentally released that much plutonium into the sun without realizing that they were carrying a moon worth of plutonium <laughs> behind them. As to what would actually happen if a wormhole went through a sun, he had no idea. Neither did the rest of the internet that I searched. So if any of you happen to be astrophysicists out there, I would love to know. But since we don't even know if wormholes are real, then we don't really know what would happen if one went through a sun. Should tweet this at Katie Mack. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Dear Katie Mack. 
Please help. Yeah. Thanks. Love, Mary and Kathy. <laughs> well, thanks, Joe. Yeah. Does Joe listen? He has on occasion. I don't know okay. if he still does. Well, hi, Joe, if you're there. Joe is a person that has never seen the show, but occasionally <laughs> listens to the podcast. <laughs> I love that. Right? That's great. How does a wormhole pick up plutonium? What? Well, they said that if they had picked it up in like th- some passing star system. But yeah, that makes no sense that they would specifically pick up a bunch of plutonium and nothing else yeah. and drag it with them. That makes so no sense. Weird. They did this. It's their fault, according to Sam. Sam thinks that the safety protocol built into the gate system that they overrode was supposed to stop this. So good job, Sam. <laughs> Oops. She's like, this planet is dying and probably because of us. And Jack's like, but you can fix it, right? Sam does not look hopeful. Back in the temple, Jack goes inside and tells Silk to wait outside. <laughs> That's that scene. <laughs> inside the temple... Jack and Daniel are trying to figure out how to get back into the Hall of Wisdom, and they managed to find the right spot on the stone. I guess they had actually also been sitting there with their eyes closed when they did it before, but they figure it out. So they go back there, and of course, the hologram comes back up again and runs the same recorded spiel as before. You would think that the people on the planet would notice that the hologram always says the exact same thing whenever... Yeah. It's brought up, but apparently they don't. And it only takes a few seconds for them to find the entire control panel (laughs) behind the hologram, which how no one has ever noticed that before. I don't understand that either. They don't want to question their gods. I guess. This control panel is what's emitting the hologram. They turn it off and that gets the attention of the actual Frere who sends the hologram of his actual self there to talk to them. Jack, of course, wants to talk to Thor. But Thor is not available because he's still off fighting a battle against the replicators. So they're stuck with Freyr. And Freyr's like, hmm, Jack O'Neill, I think we had a warship named after you. It didn't last long. (laughs) (laughs) They tell Freyr the entire story of what's happening. And Freyr's like, well, that sucks, but not a whole lot I can do about it. So see you later. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. He does elaborate, though, because, of course, SG-1 protests. He elaborates that the planet is protected by that whole big treaty and that if he were to intervene, pretty much any use of Asgard technology to benefit the people on the planet in any way would violate the entire treaty, not just for this planet, but for all protected planets, which would mean that even Earth itself would be able to come under attack because of the nullification of that treaty. They're going to have to figure out their own way around it, because even though this isn't some sort of natural phenomenon that's happening any intervention at all by the asgard would still nullify the whole treaty yeah he does tell them that and that would be bad yes that basically combines with the seeing the high council right after that it's so basically first like no and then jack's like isn't there anyone else i could talk to I'm speak to your manager maybe oh yeah. <laughs> yeah basically i actually completely forgot about that whole thing so yeah part of this is happening just between jack and frere and then the rest of that revelation about the treaty being nullified actually happens before the high council which they import jack's hologram in front of (laughs) long story short sg1's gonna have to try to fix their own mistakes once they've finished their little powwow with Frere and the asgard council the team heads back outside to join with tilk sam though has been thinking which jack says he'd be shocked if she ever stopped And then, like she likes to do, picks up some food to demonstrate what she's talking about. Last time it was donuts. (laughs) This time it's apples. I'm not sure why she needed a visual for this, actually. Yeah, I don't know either. And also her explanation didn't make any sense. So whatever. (laughs) She's like, oh, these plutonium molecules are poisoning the sun. And then what about if we pick up some more molecules from a different super heavy element that's more stable and then they cancel each other out? That's definitely not (laughs) how chemistry works. Just no. (laughs) But whatever this is, it's not a naturally occurring thing on Earth. They're going to need to reach out to their friends with super colliders to see if there's anything. Yeah, she specified they needed she specified they needed something with an atomic weight of 200. Yeah. Which I don't think they're actually let me check. I don't remember how high the periodic table goes up to. It's like 140 or something. 
First of all, it should be atomic mass, which I'm reminded <laughs> as I'm looking at this periodic table, which that's a good point. I forgot it. It's not even atomic weight. It's atomic mass. So the atomic mass of the highest element is actually 262. Okay. Not to be confused with the atomic number, which is the number of protons in a molecule, and that is at 103. Oh. And that, right, you. Laurentium, which is a man-made ah. element. Anyway. This cancel out plan is what they're going to try to go with because that's all they've got. Jack orders Sam to go back to the SGC to confuse General Hammond. So she heads off after <laughs> putting the fruit back in the baskets. On Earth, Hammond can't believe what he's hearing. I can't believe what I'm hearing. <laughs> Sam needs a rocket and it needs to have a payload of a super heavy element. And they're going to have to send it through the Stargate to Katow and then assemble it over on the other side because it's going to have to be a big-ass rocket to make it all the way into the sun. Question. Yes. How are they going to prevent extra plutonium from attaching itself and accelerating the problems with the sun? Very, very good question. Maybe the planetary alignment has shifted enough <laughs> by now? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Anyway. Or maybe they're just going to make yeah. it worse. Yeah. <laughs> Hammond wants to know how long they have to make this whole thing happen. Sam says that they have three months before the plutonium reaction on Katow's sun becomes irreversible. Okay, whatever that <laughs> sure. means. As long as they can launch within three weeks, they can just make it. Even then, though, Sam figures that they've got about a million to one shot at making this work. Oh, wait, I think the rocket's 50-50. With the rocket, yeah. Well, she says oh. the options that they've considered oh, turn out gotcha. to be one in a million okay. shot. But then if they have this rocket, then it's going to be 50-50 gotcha. odds. Okay. Yeah. Hammond doesn't really like the idea of giving them a rocket because they don't grow on trees. But Sam reminds him of one that they're preparing to launch in Vandenberg. And Hammond is concerned about the price tag on that one. But Sam's like, well, we're talking about people here, though. You can't put a price tag on people. <laughs> Well, yeah. Hammond is going to think about it. I guess he thought quick, because next we see mm -hmm. there's a rocket that's pretty well built. Yeah, a very large rocket. On Katow. It is probably worth noting, though, that this rocket is still smaller than a moon. <laughs> yes, it is worth <laughs> And noting. so, according to Joe, would not be big enough to have an impact. <laughs> Daniel, Jack, and Teal are hanging out in the village when Malachus comes up to be an ass again. He's angry still and is like, your machine's not doing anything. And Jack's like, well, it's not going to do anything until we launch it. And we're still building it, so we can't launch it. Teal's like, we got a little bit of time. But Malachus is really angry and he's agitating amongst his people, like shouting that they're bringing more outsiders and everything's terrible and it's getting worse and we're all gonna die and it's these people's fault. They didn't actually say that, but yeah, he's but, like, yeah. You know, got the gist of it. He's like, the gods want you to leave. That was just a scene for Malchus to come be angry. Yeah. Yep. Back in the SGC, <laughs> Sam is still there <laughs> with Hammond, asking if there's any word on the HU-2340, which is apparently the super special element. I was wondering if 2340 is supposed to be... The atomic mass, <laughs> which would be insane, but I, they don't ever really say where they got no. that number from. Hammond is surprised that it was actually easier to get the rocket than it is to get this special element. It's not there yet. Paperwork has it held up a little bit. Then all of a sudden, some dude named Dr. McLaren gets there with a teeny tiny little suitcase <laughs> that is definitely way smaller than the rocket or a moon. For sure, not enough of any element in there to make a difference. But apparently, that's where all the super heavy element is in this teeny tiny little suitcase. McLaren says that Sam should be lucky because it's taken him years just to make this small amount. Sam's like, but it's fine, though, because we're going to call it McLarium. Dr. McLaren is delighted to hear that it's going to be named after him, which brought me into another tangent of how do elements get their names? Because I know when it comes to naming new species in biology, pretty much whoever discovers them gets to name it whatever the hell yeah. they want, as long as it fits certain conventions, like having to at least sound like it's Latin or based <laughs> on Latin, even though it doesn't have to actually be based on Latin. It's weird. But apparently the IUPAC, which is the International Union of Pure and Applied Chemistry, is actually the governing body that names new elements. And they will take 
suggestions from the person that discovers the element, but the person that discovers the element does not get to decide, but nor would a random major in the military. (laughs) McLaren is suddenly happy that, you know, five years of work, he's going to lose all of this element that he's made, but it's fine because it's going to be named after him. So whatever. (laughs) And they shake hands to seal the deal, I guess. That's that's Yeah. (laughs) Sam goes back to Katow at this point with everything else they need, including that tiny amount of McLarium. They're all prepared and they want to get going on that. But in the distance, at the rocket, Sam spots some smoke. That sucks. Rockets explode! And then the entire thing goes up in flames. Like a giant flame. A fireball, bad. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little bit more explodey than just a yeah. flame. <laughs> so that's really bad. It was the one part of the episode I liked, though, because there was an explosion. <laughs> but then they told us that people died, yeah. and that was sad. <laughs> yeah. Jack and Sam make a run towards the place. That was the end of that scene. Later on in the village, they're helping injured people get back and get some treatment. SG-1 is super angry. That not only were a few people hurt, as I mentioned, a couple people were killed, specifically from SG-6. The rocket was destroyed, so that basically ruined their plans. Malchus was apparently behind all of this for reasons. I didn't really understand his logic was that the gods have spoken. I guess he didn't want them to stop Ragnarok because Frere said Ragnarok was supposed to happen. I don't know. His logic is not logic. (laughs) No, it really isn't. Malchus says that they would gladly die to serve the gods. That's cool. But also now he's condemned everyone else on the planet, which apparently is just this one tiny village because they start talking about what if we maybe get people off the planet? Because if they don't, then they're just going to get more death. This was so good, though. Jack's rage was so good. Yeah, it was. Mm. He was so angry. He was very. He had his gun up in Malchus's face and was gonna kill him. <laughs> he did seem pretty ready to commit some. Yeah. Murder, yes. oh. Jack is ready to call it quits on this whole thing at that point. Yep. Which reminded me, in a very less serious way, when you're a kid in school and kids in your classroom is behaving, and the entire class misses out on recess because some douchebag was being annoying to the teacher. What an awful way to teach, yeah. though. That's that's not that good. That definitely <laughs> happened. Punish an entire class because one kid is being that bad? That definitely happened more than once when I was in elementary school. Oh, yeah, yeah. it did. But in hindsight, though, it's that's awful. not yeah. a good way to teach. And <laughs> you have to figure out better ways to reach out to your students and yeah yeah this was a more deadly that's, that's not yeah. the way to this do was it. a more deadly version of that where jack's like well they're all screwed let's get yeah. the hell out of <laughs> Let here all die then. they okay. all deserve it <laughs> peace daniel is desperately trying to stop jack from leaving sam is also objects daniel brings the reason back not everyone is responsible for this like you said yeah, yeah. <laughs> sam also points out that She's essentially at fault for this. Maybe, yeah, pretty much, Sam. Maybe you don't walk away because she can't because she'll have killed all these people. Yeah. All yeah. ten or so of them. The whole team talks Jack down, basically. Which is yeah. where Daniel then says, maybe we should uh, relocate them. Right. Which, as apparently is so often the case, I guess there's only this one little village right here and nowhere else right, on the planet. Right, right. I mean, they've obviously probably checked the entire planet. Yeah, for sure they would have. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, meanwhile, is going to go back to the SGC to do some simulating. Back in the temple, they're basically having a town hall meeting about what to do next. Elrad says that it's for the gods to decide. They can't make any decisions about anything like leaving the planet. Daniel tries to argue that this is just the gods giving them another choice rather than resigning themselves to all dying. It sounds reasonable to me. Right? Yeah. But Elrod says that if Frere wished for them to leave, then he would have just come and taken them away in his little flamey chariot. (laughs) Daniel's like, "Uh, no, he can't do that. But I swear, Frere really wants you to leave, even though he's not going to actually come and tell you that. Short of Frere coming himself to tell them that, nothing else is going to convince the people in the village that that is actually his will. So they're just going to stay here and face their fate bravely, as Elrod says. Yeah. Oh, buddies. Mm-hmm. Daniel and Jack leave the temple <laughs> to <laughs> meet up with Teal'c, who surmises it did not go well. 
Jack says it's because Daniel didn't say what needed to be said. Jack then goes further into the village and gets on a soapbox of some kind. It might not have been a literal soapbox, but it's very soapboxy. This is where, too, when he starts shouting here is when I was like, they are inside. Oh, yeah. Before he actually starts talking, Daniel's like, maybe we don't need to tell them the truth about their beliefs. I only bring this up because Jack's like, you wouldn't be saying that if we're talking about the gold. And Daniel's like, we're not talking about the gold. And yes, of course, because the gold literally enslaved people. Whereas the Asgard seem to more or less... I don't want to say they're benevolent, because obviously they're just going to let these people die, but they're right. way less... They're hands-off. Yeah. They're neither benevolent nor yeah. <laughs> in- enslaving. Yeah, it's a different thing. Jack gets up and he's like, hey, hey, you guys know Frere, right? Guess what? He's not a uh, big guy, kind of good-looking with lots of fancy gold armor. In fact, <laughs> he's an alien. Probably worth mentioning here that in the previous conversation with Frere and the council, they were pretty adamant that SGC not tell these people about yes. the truth because they wanted to keep them under their delusion of Frere being a god so that it wouldn't disturb their way of life yeah. or impact their evolution as a society <laughs> in any way. Yeah. So much for that. So much for that. Jack says he's an alien. He's got a big spaceship, not a chariot. He's like, this little guy is about three feet tall, and he like puts his hand down lower than, than he is. And <laughs> yes. He's got clammy gray skin and big black eyes and skinny tiny, and he's making this little gesture with his finger to indicate <laughs> tiny arms and legs. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Anyway, so that's his description. And he continues, like, they think you need to believe in a god because you're not developed enough. Elrod, though. Elrod. Elrond. I almost did it. Elrond. You shall be the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Elred's had enough, though. He is now also calling for the SG people to leave. At that point, Jack is like, oh, well, sorry to bother you. Okay, bye. Time to go. Back in Sam's lab, she's talking to Hammond about some other options that they have. Hammond reminds her that she said that any other options were a one in a million chance before. And Sam's like, well, yeah, but you know, maybe this one could be 1%. <laughs> so she goes over to a whiteboard to explain her idea to him. I was wondering what the hell was even happening with the equation on the whiteboard. I don't know if you paid any attention to it, nope. but there were some unknown letters. So like letters in the equation that had a superscript before them. Huh. I have never seen any equations like that. It would have a superscript before the letter or the number mm. rather than after the letter or number. I don't think that's a thing. It's certainly not anything I've ever seen. I don't know. Maybe in theoretical astrophysics. Who knows? I don't know. I stopped mathing about halfway through college. That's fair. I've been continuing to math this whole time, despite the fact that I would often prefer to not. <laughs> anyway, what I thought was funny is that all of these big, long series of letters, A, B, raised to the superscript D, B, C, anyway, long strings of letters all had a zero in front of them, which would mean that that whole string of letters was worth zero because zero times anything is zero. Basically, there was this whole big long equation on the board that essentially came down to a couple letters plus zero plus zero minus zero. (laughs) That was my fun story. I'm sure everyone is now even more bored than they already were. You're welcome. (laughs) She continues drawing on the board and shows that they're going to have to make another wormhole through the sun, I guess. So I guess everything is lined back up. I don't know. Good question before. How'd they get the rocket there without going through the sun or making things worse? But whatever. They're going to make another wormhole. They're going to send the Maclarium through the wormhole, but they're going to hopefully turn off the wormhole at exactly the right time so that the Maclarium gets deposited in the middle of the sun. <laughs> this sounds totally doable yeah absolutely that's for sure gonna work jack apparently jack is there (laughs) points out that he thought when something was in a wormhole it only exists as energy sam was amazed that he has any idea how wormholes actually work (laughs) and very pleased about it (laughs) he was very yes but somehow it works in this (laughs) 
situation. She says that without a Stargate on the other side, any material that was in the wormhole is going to rematerialize in its base form. And for a person, that is bad. What a person's base form is, I don't know. Maybe Does she mean like the elements that the person is made out of? I don't know what she means by base form. But in any case, it is totally fine if the Maclarium rematerializes in the middle of the sun in its base form. Not a problem. Everything's fine. It's just fine. And Hammond says that she should go and try to do that <laughs> thing. And she does. She does. She, they use a mouth. Is there really no other way they could have done that without wasting a mouth? I don't know. Why couldn't they just send the little suitcase yeah. through without the mouth? I don't know. Like, just throw it yeah, in. Yeah, I have no idea. But they take a mouth through. They shut down the gate. Then they need to figure out if it worked. And there's only one way to know. Go through the sun again and undo everything <laughs> you just did, apparently. Maybe it did actually work. They just re-plutoniumed it. But they just re-put... Yeah, they replanted the plutonium when they went back to the planet to see if it worked. Oh, man. This is such a stupid <laughs> Back in the village, they come back. Everybody's praying. They're waiting to see if anything happens. Hopefully, it's been enough time. The light from the sun doesn't instantly travel to planets. I don't know how far Katow is from their sun, but here it's a little over eight minutes. So hopefully, it's been at least that long. It has to be less than that because they said they were closer to their sun than we were, and that's why it was so bright. Okay. All right. Fair. They continue praying. Sam doesn't think it worked. SG-1's talking amongst themselves as all the villagers pray in front of them. They should have noticed a change by now. Jack says, all right, well time to go they're doomed everything sucks let's get out of here and then all of a sudden we see some funky lights in the sky and everything goes back to normal jack asks if he's having a stroke which is exactly (laughs) what he said the first time that the light shifted and of course all the villagers are grateful and bless frere for saving them SG-1 is incredulous. They did not think that their plan worked. Teal'c asks if it could have been the Asgard, but Sam says that they wouldn't help. Jack reminds them that they said they can't overtly help. But I guess the takeaway is that they're going to use the excuse that it was SG-1 that fixed the issue and they're going to mask their remedy in the shitty attempts (laughs) by SG-1 to fix the issue. Planet saved. Everything done. Yay. That's the end of the episode. Kathy, did you like the episode? I didn't hate it like you hated it. (laughs) It was pretty dumb, as we've established, I think, at this point. Yeah. And it was almost 100% dialogue, so it was not an exciting episode in that way. And I feel like we've seen enough times, like, people of the village not sure if they can trust SG-1. So it wasn't like there was a lot that was new to it. And then, but I did like... I mean, Jack always has great moments. He was so much fun to watch talking to the Asgard, even though they were frustrating because they weren't helpful at all. It was a really good Richard Dean Anderson episode, I thought, as far as acting goes, because he had very funny moments. And then he had this really intense anger when the rocket exploded. So there were parts of it I liked. And a lot of it was just real dumb. (laughs) How about you? I thought it was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. I just hated it. So it was so boring. And the entire premise of how the light shifted, what the problem was to begin with, was so stupid and nonsensical. And then their solutions to fix the nonsensical problem were just even so much more stupid and nonsensical than the original (laughs) problem even was. It was just so dumb. Such a dumb episode. None of the science made any sense whatsoever. So I hated it for that. The passivity of the people annoyed the crap out of me. Fair as well. We generally try not to get too political on this, but it definitely reminded me too much of modern day politics where you have a bunch of people that are just like, well, you know, we can't do gun control. We're just going to pray for the people that have already been shot at all these school shootings. We can't do anything to try to fix the environment because, you know, it's God's will that the environment's going to change. So let's just not do anything about it. And let's just let everything go to hell because, you know, God's will. We're going to pray and God will answer our prayers. We don't have to do anything. We're just going to pray and that's going to fix everything. So I'm sorry. (laughs) I hope I didn't insult anybody, but it 
annoyed the crap out of me that they were just like, all right, sucks to be us. We're just going to pray and hope for the best instead of actually do anything to save ourselves and our society. In the end, though, their gods did come (laughs) save them. (laughs) I know, which made me hate it that much more. I'm sorry. That was not lost on me. That is another reason I hated this episode. Do you you think this will teach Sam to be more cautious about the things she is going to just try to do? (laughs) I would certainly hope so, but no, I don't. Given her track record, I do not think it will. What's next? Next is Stargate SG-1, Season 5, Episode 6, Rite of Passage. Netflix says, during Cassandra's... Oh, Cassandra... During Cassandra's 16th birthday celebration, a kiss causes electricity to surge from her body. How is she 16? Wasn't she like nine when they brought her? I really... And it has not been seven years. I had not paid attention to her age at all. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know where I got nine from, but I thought that's how old they figured she was. The booklet says, on the eve of her birthday, Katranda. I don't know what that was. (laughs) Katranda. That's her name. Yeah. Yeah. On the eve of her birthday, Cassandra is showing signs of, quote, mind fire. A powerful. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a powerful electromagnetic field triggered at puberty. So she's not human, huh? I hate this already. And I was going to ask, is she an X-Men? Yeah, I I know, right? An alien of some sort. Now, <laughs> but now SG-1 must find a cure to stop the life-threatening changes before she destroys herself, dot, 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 and the command center. Why is she even at the command center? What the hell? Wait. I thought they were supposed to keep her away from the SGC. <laughs> they were. <laughs> I hate this already. <laughs> Podcast over. <laughs> Just like Jack, I'm done with these people. Just skip that one. <laughs> Uh, I know we have a few episodes coming up that I absolutely hate, and we can't skip any. <laughs> Great. That, those yeah. are ones you know you hate. Yeah, there's a few that I absolutely know that I hate before we even get to them cool. coming up pretty soon. I don't know exactly when. I know at least one of them is in this season. I don't remember if the other one is. But... Oh, man. That makes me want to look ahead and see what we're watching. <laughs> <laughs> As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday, except apparently I'm never doing this show again, so maybe there won't be any more episodes. <laughs> because I hate everything. It's okay, we'll just watch Baron Breakfast. Re- watch, play Baron Breakfast. Watch it, yes. We'll play Baron Breakfast instead, and we'll tell you all about yeah. that, and it'll be great. Yeah. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at stargazing at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us through our website, which is stargazing.space. And if you're feeling generous, I guess we won't end the podcast right away. So you can head on over to patreon.com slash stargazing if you'd like to contribute to the show financially. Your help is very much appreciated to keep this going. And word of mouth and reviews are also great for that as well. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargazing The End. The End. Uh. <laughs> mm. Well, it was more fun to talk about it, so. <laughs> it was. I agree.